What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Big Show Podcast, brought to you by the three of us, Alex, Ethan, Corey, bringing you the best of all things Big Ten football. Boys, I'm glad we're all back together. Corey, I love you a lot, but I think you'd agree. We're all we're all better when we're all together, the three of us. It's what started it all. Us three little boys in one big show. Remember when I opened the first few episodes by saying that? I sure do. My goodness. And we brought and it back. Listen, I don't know which of us is little, but it sure ain't me. <laughs> oh. Oh. Hey, your body is beautiful. Oh, Th- thank you. <laughs> don't mention it, baby. He was, <clears throat> he was complimenting his own body he he didn't need your reassurance <laughs> yeah I, I now i just feel awkward okay so boys first order of business mike leach so sad yeah so so sad i, I mean like an offensive innovator in the game of college football like absolutely super super influential and obviously like one of the most entertaining interviews and entertaining coaches to listen listen to post game, during the game, you know, whenever he was giving an interview, you always wanted to hear Mike Leach, and just a super super sad day. Yeah, you want to hear like you just want to tribute Mike Leach in any way possible. Just look at some of like the best quotes or like the best interviews from any of his any stage of his career. I think the one that got me the most, I was literally crying on my couch is when he's talking about like candy and he's just going on and on. And this is after a game that he won. And he's just like, well, Haribo gummy bears are the best. And then I found out recently that Europe has better candy. And he's just, he's just rambling, but that's just him. It's not like, cause he's not there at all. It's that's, mm-hmm. that's Mike Leach. And then the pirate thing too. That's also really fun. Um, so Swing your swords, everybody, in honor of Mike Leach. Raise your raise your Jolly Ro- or your Jolly Roger to half mast. Because uh, yeah, I saw, a, I saw a clip today from like a year or two ago when Mississippi State won their or they were after their bowl game. Mike Leach was like taking pictures with people in the stands, and his team was in a post game brawl on the field, and he's up in the bleachers taking pictures with people and just had like. No idea what was going on. Absolutely, oh, I do remember that. I do remember that, and it was like an all-out brawl too. It was bad. Oh yeah, they were going <laughs> at it, but he was just in his own world. Intr- I mean, college football does not look the way it does today without Mike Leach no. and without the air raid offense. Like, dude is just—he was just an offensive genius. And I didn't actually know about this, but. Uh, SEC Network put out a picture of like his coaching tree. It's extremely impressive. Like I had no idea, but guys like Dave Aranda, Josh Heupel, Sonny Dykes, Cliff Kingsbury, Lincoln Riley, Dana Holgerson, like all of those guys either like played for or coached under uh, Mike Leach. Wow. Very impressive. Super impressive. So thoughts and prayers to Mississippi State team and, and most of all Mike Leach's family, but needed to give him a shout out to uh, start off the show for sure. So um, moving from uh, one head coach who will be dearly missed to one that 
Well, we hope that he turns out to be a good one. Purdue has found their man to put at the helm. He's he's at the front of the train, and Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator from Illinois, is moving within conference and taking over the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, Corey, this is your this is your squad. This is your backup squad. So, how what are the emotions like today? out in uh, West Lafayette. Listen, it still feels good to, you know, as as far as how the season went for me in the Pick'em, it still feels good to have two representations of conf- or division champions. I'll still be able to hang my hat on that for quite some time. Uh, but D.C. from Illinois, and Illinois literally had a top five defense in the country this year, almost in a blink of an eye. Um, and Purdue, pretty historically, has not been – a great football program, but it's been a football program that has been creative on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think it's pretty clear that Purdue sent a message in regards that we need to get better at all facets of the game and not just the one that we're very good at. Um, Cause you, you have to adapt or die in college football um, and Purdue's trying to do that with a defensive minded head coach. And why not go to the guy who had one of the best defenses in the country in your own division. So I think it's as I don't I don't think it's a slam dunk hire, but it's probably the best hire they could have gotten or relatively close to it, I'd say. Yeah, I mean I think this is just one of those situations where it really is and I know this isn't like great for a podcast or whatever, but I really do think it's more of a wait and see mentality. You know, I, I think that this is just one of those situations where um, listen, Illinois had a great year defensively. Nobody expected them to perform the way they did um, and to have the team that they did. And especially on the defensive side of the ball, they were a hard-hitting, hard-nosed football team. And you could very well make the argument that they had the third-best defense in the conference and possibly the second-best. But, I, I mean, it was... Really impressive what they did. So obviously well-deserved, especially with, you know, and I'm not saying this to diss Illinois fans or their program, but with it being Illinois, you know, Illinois is not known for their defensive prowess. Um, Look at some of the games that they've had over the past decade, and you will see some of the highest scoring games in all of college football. So definitely, um, Really, really great job by him this this year, and very interested to see. It, it's an it's an entirely different ball game when you become a head coach and you're in charge of recruiting and you're in charge of both sides of the football, making sure that all these kids are you know keeping their grades up and and doing you know all these different things. It'll just be interesting to see, and I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of a two to three year process to really see what he brings to the table. Um, but you got to give him that time. Yeah, I agree with you that this is definitely a wait and see. I don't think it's a home run hire either, Corey. If I was a Purdue fan, I would want to kind of know behind the scenes if they reached out to a guy like Jim Leonard or Garrett Riley, because I think for Purdue standards, those guys would have been home run hires. But regardless, I think Ryan Walters is is a is a good guy for them to get. He is now the fourth youngest coach in the FBS at the age of 36. And I think Purdue, like, 
go get a young guy who's on the rise, like quickly before other big programs can go get him and see if he can build on what Jeff Brom did, which none of the three of us really liked Jeff Brom. But he, he was good enough to get him to a Big Ten championship game. So maybe Ryan Walters can take him farther. And to your point on the work he did with Illinois' defense, number one scoring defense this year. Before he arrived, they were 97th, second in total defense. He was the 24-7 sports defensive coordinator of the year. He, by all means, like looking at his resume and what he did with Illinois and their caliber of player, absolutely crushed it as much as anyone can crush it at Illinois. So it's definitely not a bad hire. It's something that they can be optimistic about. Can I set an expectation? <clears throat> I want the expectation to be that the Purdue Boilermakers within the next four seasons, okay? I think we can all agree <clears throat> at that point you have basically all of your own players within four seasons. So within four seasons, I would love to see Purdue have a 10-win season. I would love to see Purdue come out yes. and have a season where they get 10 wins. Yes. And that can include your bowl game. You can be, you know, you can be nine and three going into your bowl game. You win your bowl game and you get to 10 wins. That is what I want to see from Purdue. Because if that's happening, that is showing major progress towards building your program to being more like that Iowa, you know, in in the West, where you are a team that is capable of going out there and having those double-digit win seasons consistently being ranked throughout the year. And these aren't like the most incredibly lofty expectations that I'm putting on them. I don't think you guys would say that I'm being unfair when I say that, when I say to go out there and have a 10-win season. No, absolutely not. That, but I think, and it all it all goes back to what I said earlier in the year, and that is, Stop being the spoiler makers and start being a team that can go out there and can put together a season like a Wisconsin, like an Iowa, like these teams in the West that we have seen build themselves up to be programs. Now, listen, both of those teams had down years. I fully expect Wisconsin to turn it around. We'll see what happens with Iowa bringing in Cade McNamara. They've got Eric all coming in. You know, we'll see what they're able to do. And I just think it's it, it's an opportunity for Purdue to kind of take the next step. And that's really what I'm looking for them, for from them, I should say. And I think a 10-win season would really set the tone for them going forward. I talked to my roommate and because he's the Purdue grad, and he's his biggest concern is like what happens when this guy, if he has success, how long is he going to stay? Because Purdue is not the – the program you stay at this Purdue is the stepping stone. That's exactly what Jeff Brom did, regardless of how much we think or don't think of him. He left the second he could to go back to his alma mater the second he had success. So it's, it's almost like, like Purdue's basketball program without being a quote unquote blue blood is about as close to a blue blood as you can get. And Matt Painter has been there for like 150 years or however long it's been. How do you get to a point as a program where you can keep guys long-term instead of losing them after they get good after four or five seasons? So I think that's a really great question, and I, I'll, I'll just put this in there. I think that it's 
I think what it requires is you go through a few coaching cycles because it, you're you're going to have look at a school. Okay, I think this is a great example, and correct me correct me if I'm wrong. T, a team like TCU, who has gone through multiple different coaching changes, however, they have throughout those coaching changes maintained a certain level of success. A team like TCU, a team like Baylor that's gone out there and had turnover on the coaching end, but every time a new coach comes in, they're keeping that same standard of play. They're, they're, they are still making it into those upper echelons of college football where they're ranked in the top 15. They're ranked in the top 20 consistently, and they're having those double-digit win seasons. I think that's how you do it. Honestly, I, I, I do. I think... You go through multiple coaches and you have coaches who use you as a stepping stone. But in the process, you yourself as a team, as an organization, quote unquote, move into a higher tier in the process. I think we've seen that with TCU. I think we've seen that with Baylor. And if you're Purdue, that is what you're striving to be. You're striving to be a team that can one year come in and shock the world and make the playoff, you know, and it's going to be a lot easier in the coming years with the 12 team format for a team like Purdue to do something like that. You saw Illinois had the opportunity to do that this year. So I think that is the way that you accomplish that goal. It, it It's a much bigger feat though, than just like hiring the right coach in terms of taking your program to the next level that involves facilities, recruiting, boosters, like a total investment in the entire football program. So that's going to, that's going to take a little bit more of an overhaul from Purdue's standpoint. Your facilities have to become incredible. I mean, let's, let's just, let's, let's not beat around the bush. These, these teams like Clemson, Michigan, Ohio state, Alabama, these facilities that these teams have are, I mean, Wow. But don't don't like, you think they could get there given the sustained success of their basketball program? Like they funnel I it, I get it. It's a different state. It's a different, you know, focus you need, on- So Corey, Corey, it, just like Alex just said, <clears throat> you need one of your alumni to step in and you need boosters to come in and just dump money into and, and listen, this could send us down a really long rabbit hole. But yeah. you need somebody to step up or people to step up who are your alum to just pump money into that athletic department. And have to. And I mean it takes I don't know who their big name alums are. Ring, I, ring. I'm not Drew Brees. Hello. With Okay, and, and yes. He's a, football, he's, he's a football guy, which helps because they're right. viewed as a basketball school. Right. And I, I think I think, yeah, you absolutely Drew Brees is the very first phone call you make, no doubt. But I'm also sure that there are a couple of billionaires who have gone to Purdue and are alums of Purdue who can help turn that program around. There is at every school like Purdue. So that's a big part of it. Not to dive too deep into it. We can kind of veer off here, but I think that's kind of what needs to take place. Wasn't Mark Cuban a Purdue grad? Or was he? Indiana. Oh, he's Indiana. Indiana. Well. So (laughs) Uh, careful. (laughs) Let let me 
let me pitch this to you guys though in terms of how to measure success for ryan malters at purdue because if you look at the other two coaching hires that have happened in the big 10 west this offseason hiring ryan walters looks like extremely third tier like wisconsin goes from paul chris to luke fickle nebraska goes from scott frost to matt rule and the Purdue hire suddenly looks like a really horizontal move. Plus, you've got USC and UCLA joining the conference in a couple of years. Like, to your point about the the 10-game win season for Purdue, if, if Fickle and Rule do what kind of we expect them to do, that gets way less likely in the Big Ten because the coaches in the West, you've got Brett Bielema, You've got P.J. Fleck, Luke Fickle, Matt Rule now. Like, the coaching in the West has been elevated. And it feels like if this hire from Purdue is well, not and how about way the, on the high side of upside, like, they're going to get left behind. But Purdue how is about nowhere. The be moving into the conference with UCLA and USC. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Chip Kelly and then Lincoln Riley. But, but Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley. Oh, wow. But – Purdue's not at the level that Nebraska historically and then Wisconsin right. who they've been. So you can't expect them to go out and make a higher no, like I, Luke Fickle or a Paul Chris because it's just not possible for them. They don't. I completely, I completely agree. And I was going to say the exact same thing, Corey, you're, you're spot on. It's listen, Nebraska has, let's just, let's just focus on Nebraska for a second. The most passionate Nebraska, fans in college football. Nebraska, yeah, yes. One of the, I mean, top five. Easily. We can say that, right? Top five. Nebraska football is dying for a great football team. And they thought Scott Frost was their savior. He wasn't. And now they've jumped ship. <clears throat> and they're going right into somebody who had incredible success before he left for the NFL. And listen, the NFL is just not cut out from 90 plus percent of college football coaches. It's a different game. It takes a different mentality and you cannot treat the players anywhere close to what you can in college. Nowhere close. Unless you're Bill Belichick and you've won 9,000 championships, then you just automatically have the respect and you can say anything to anybody at any time, but there's only one of them. So I, I it, it just, there is just a different tier between Purdue, between a team like Purdue and a team like Nebraska. And they have the boosters. They have the facilities. Have you seen Nebraska's Nebraska's new facilities for football? Yeah, they're yeah, they're building new ones. Unreal. Yep. The renderings are like insane. So yeah, I mean, there you go. I, I that that's the difference right there. So I I'm I and to and to like use this as a whole picture really quick, man, am I excited for what's going to be happening here in the Big Ten? This is going to be crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. The coaching has been elevated significantly this off season. It's only going to help with USC and UCLA. So yep, for Purdue, it, it's not a bad hire, but we'll see. You know, it seems like a real high risk, high reward, potential high upside. We'll see where he falls. I just hate that USC and UCLA have no fan base. Yeah. Well, UCLA has no fan base. USC does. They do. They do. They're a brand. They're a huge brand. USC definitely. All right. Well, here's, here's, I guess, a hypothetical question, and maybe I'm overthinking this. As a Corey's 
hypothetical train. He asked me like five of these questions. It was good conversation, week. was it not? Oh, it was. It was. You're just you're just in the mood, man. You're a classic overthinker. Right now, as far as top to bottom, who has the better collection of coaches as it stands right now in the conference, the West or the East? From top to bottom. Because mm. I think you could mm. make a case for the West. Careful. Careful. You, Careful. From top to bottom. I'm that's what I'm saying. Top to bottom. Okay. So I do not fall under the category of the whole like, oh my gosh, Ryan Day, he's a terrible coach, blah, blah, blah. Neither do I. You've got to look at the body of work that he has put together. Yes, he's one and two against Michigan. Like, I get it. And I Ohio State fans, listen, I know you hate that, okay? But he's like a bajillion and one against everyone else. <laughs> so I, I just I think you gotta be real careful. Because it's still the East. It's it is still the East. The answer is still the East. The East has the best three coaches in the conference: Harbaugh, Ryan Day, and then a tear drop. Ooh, and then that's Franklin. a hot take. No, I don't think James Franklin is. No, better. That's not a hot I take. don't think James Franklin is a better coach than Luke Fickle or Matt Rule. I disagree. You haven't even seen Fickle do it. At Fickle's a, been to at college a football big... playoff with Cincinnati. I think I think that, I think that if PJ Fleck was the coach of Penn State, they would be a better team than they are Whoa. under James Franklin. Whoa. You think PJ Fleck is a better coach than James Franklin? I do. Did you mean to say Luke Fickle? Nope. Wow. Hot takes galore. I think wow. I think PJ Fleck is a better coach. I On I what think grounds? Listen, to me, listen to me, listen to me. James Franklin might be the most overrated coach in all of college football. Okay, he's in the running, but who's like, who? Okay, who is a more? Let me phrase it this way: Who is a more overrated coach in college football than James Franklin? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. I got to run through Oh, man, him and ha and think and wah. Uh, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. No, he's not. He's ne- He's a good football coach. He's, he's won constantly- 12 championships. When? Like, when did they win it? Like, two years? Didn't they win it two years ago? They lost to Baylor in the, in the Big 12 championship game. Remember, it was like fourth and goal, and they failed. I thought it was the other way around. I honestly did. I, yeah, no. So I I don't remember. I don't know if or fine. when he's won a Big 12 championship. And Dave Aranda's a better uh, football coach than Okay, James but he's Franklin. not nearly – he's not put on the same tier as James Franklin. Like I'll give you one. Lincoln Riley. Oh, come on. Are you telling me that Lincoln Riley wouldn't be more successful at Penn State than he is than James Franklin? Come no, on. that's not what I'm saying. Lincoln Riley would be more successful, but Lincoln Riley, TBD on whether or not he's actually he need, the kind of coach. Oh, he needs – okay, he has – he – timeout. We need to call a major time – I'm throwing a flag on what you just said. He was just – Okay. He just took two – first of all – he has won yeah. – He his quarterbacks have won three Heisman trophies. 
three and zero college football playoff games. Neither how many James Franklin. Zero. I'm not saying I'm saying that James Franklin is a worse coach than Lincoln Riley, but in terms of how overrated each of them is, I do not. I, how in the world? Coach. How in the world could you say that a coach who just showed up at a program, he came to USC this year? If they would have won seven games, I would have said, "Yeah, okay, like to be expected." If they would have won eight games, I would have been like, "Oh, okay, yeah, they won eight games." For sure. them to go to the and the Pac-12 was good this year. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. The Pac-12 was good, not great. I'm not saying that they were great. Good. They were good. And for him to make the Pac-12 championship game and have a chance to take his team to the college football playoff is first year at USC, and you're trying to tell me he's more overrated than? Uh, come on, but he only lost to one team. How many years in a row do your teams have to have the same exact glaring problem and you not fix it? He needs a new defensive coordinator. Like, we all know that. Every year. It's every year. How have you not solved How many of the players that are on that defense are his recruited players? Okay, well, now you're just talking about USC. What about his Oklahoma days? He was there forever. Okay. And And never fixed it. And he had great teams at Oklahoma. Great. He dominated. So far, so far, Lincoln Riley as a head coach. Let's compare wins. Let's hold on, hold on. Wins hold on. Had. Hold on. So far, Lincoln Riley as a head coach has dominated conferences where they don't play physical defense, and then he gets to the playoff where he plays teams that do play physical defense, and then he loses every time. So and most key, of the time, it's not close. So the key phrase there was getting to the playoff. Mm. Oh yeah. I think he's an awesome coach. I, th- I think he's a top 10 coach in college football. Then, then he's, then he's than not Jeff overrated. Football. If you're a top 10 college football coach in, in college football, then you can't be overrated. Well, where would you put him then? Because I think he's closer to the backside of that top 10, and I feel like a lot of people talk about him like he's top three. I would probably say that he's closer to five than he is to one, and he's closer to – Five than he is to ten. This is too many numbers. I can't. I can't keep up with this. This is no, no, no. I'm just saying he's in the middle of the pack on that on that top ten list. Who's I, a better football coach, Jim Harbaugh or Lincoln Riley? And that's a genuine question. I haven't put the any answer is Jim Harbaugh. Right now, it's Jim Harbaugh. Two years ago, Harbaugh, it was Lincoln Riley. Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is a. T- I don't think most people would say that. Jim Harbaugh, time out. Currently. I, this is how I think the top three is in, in college football as far as coaching goes. Nick Saban is number one. It will not change until the day he retires. I do That's not true. want to hear I do not want to hear an argument to the contrary. Number two. Oh my gosh, of course I'm gonna lose his name. Davos Sweeney. No, no, no. Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is number two. Who's a Nick Saban? At Georgia. And, and and honestly, if you took those two and put them in tier one, and that's the only two names that get to go in tier one, I have no issue with that. No issue whatsoever. The third best coach in the country right now in college football is Jim Harbaugh. Easy. And I don't think there's an argument to be made to the contrary. Oh, I think you could argue Dabo. Right now? now? Right now. The, right now with the coaching performance he's had over the past two seasons? I mean, I don't think you can I don't think you can say like right now at this second without like 
you have to take into account a dude's body of work. Like Dabo has two national championships. Right. Uh, I, and I'm not discrediting that. That's unbelievable and something Jim Harbaugh has not done. Well, I'll say I'll say that this year has probably been Dabo. It's been Dabo's worst year of coaching in terms of the talent he has compared what about to the last result. year. Uh, I would say this year was worse. This last year was worse than this year. They had a chance to go to the playoff this year. They didn't last year. It could just be a DJ Ugiagalele problem. Did you watch them play defense? Because they didn't do it very much. Yeah, but as soon as Cade Klubnik came in, he like lit up the place. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I I'm the only point I was trying to make is like the top three people coaches. put Lincoln Riley. People put Lincoln Riley on a pedestal, but like we view Ryan Day as like a ooh, can you actually do this? When legitimately their problems are exactly the same. Okay, I I understand your point, and both of them have been to a college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Right. Something that the head coach of Penn State has not accomplished. No, I know, I know. I, I, I think James Franklin is he's a far he's the most overrated coach in all of college football. He doesn't win big games. I just wanted to throw Lincoln Riley's hat in the ring because personally, to me, I also think he's one of the most overrated coaches in college football, and I can't wait. He had his one win at Ohio State with Baker Mayfield. I can't wait until he has to play in Big Ten country consistently. You know what? In the I've got an answer to this. The most overrated coach in college football. I love the guy, Lane Kiffin. Uh, I think to be determined on that. I think I think there could be an argument there. I think he's he has like a give give no f's kind of attitude. Yeah, and he's turned some programs. Like he went to FAU and. He, he made them pretty good, and then he went to Ole Miss, and now they're like kind of like back. But they're in the middle of the pack right now in the SEC. He also took over an Ole Miss team that was garbage. Yeah, that's true. But so. I, definitely to your point, though, Corey, because like he keeps getting jobs at big programs and just like bouncing around and never really like finishes the job and takes a team to the next level. So I totally get what you you're know saying. what. There's another name that needs to be put into this conversation. And he's the head coach at one of the top five most prestigious programs in the country. And he is the head coach of the University of Texas. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I don't think people think he's overrated because I don't know that he's viewed in that same light, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, like people give him a lot of love, and he kind of sucks. I I agree. I agree. Especially if he doesn't do anything with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning oh. in this recruiting class they're coming in. Like, did you like Sarkeesian is on the last straw. Did you guys see Arch Manning in the championship game? Yeah, he was not good. Oh, boy. He was not good. Did he? he was no bueno. Hey. I know this. Is- I mean, he's still going to be great. Like, uh, listen, don't get me wrong. The kid is oh, yeah. the kid is the like probably outside of Trevor Lawrence, the most talented kid I've ever seen coming out of high school ever. Like, I'm not kidding when I say that. Like, the tape is just unreal. He looks like an NFL quarterback out there throwing the ball, and he's five. 
He's literally five years old. So I I know he's going to be super successful, but the highlights of that championship game that he played in were, they were not highlights. They were lowlights. Okay. I have, this is somewhat unrelated, but somewhat related since we've been talking about coaches. I have. Is it a hypothetical? No, it's not a hypothetical. It's two stories to kind of put you, kind of give you a, a, a clue or like where these coaches are at. So my sister had an opportunity to play college athletics and she's in the medical field. So then she talks to a lot of different people uh, with sports injuries and whatnot. So you get to meet people across the country, hear their stories. And she, she had a knee surgery from uh, one of the Detroit lions doctors uh, one time. So just like network of connections, um, two stories. She heard a story about Nick Saban and she heard a story about Jim Harbaugh. Once she talked to a former Alabama football player, and apparently his recruitment, the only thing that he did on a home visit was he went into this recruit's house. He goes and he drops his national championship rings on the counter. And he says, you can give me a call and walks out. That was his pitch. And the kids signed. The greatest, like, like, Frick you story of all time. Just like, hey, you want to win a natty? Come with me. And like, well, that's that's the only pitch that you need. And then number two, personally knew a Stanford football walk-on. So this was during Harbaugh's Stanford Stanford period. Um, he, I don't know, was a pre-med student or something, and he walked onto the football team. He was at a team dinner, and he's kind of just sitting with his family or whatever. And then he gets tapped on the shoulder, and he's like, hey, can I sit here? And it's Harbaugh. And Harbaugh sits down with his meal. It's like a steak and mashed potatoes. And according to him, he said Harbaugh didn't have any utensils, and he was just eating the food with his hands. And he had a glass of milk. And he's just talking to him with, like, food in his mouth and just, like, say, oh, like, learning his story or whatever. Like, we're learning where he's from. And then he finishes his meal, gets up, and leaves. And that's it. (laughs) So two two of the best college football programs in the nation right now. Very two different recruiting styles for Mm -hmm. that. That's football coach. (laughs) Oh boy. That was kind of unrelated to the conversation, but I really wanted to tell my stories, so Oh, I love that. Okay. I love that. Alex, you have some fan questions for us. I do. Uh wait, do you guys want to go right to Well, we got to give our end of season grades for the for the teams. We're through to what <laughs> Ethan just gave the biggest sigh. Because <laughs> like, so, dude, it's so freaking disappointing. You want you want to know my grades? I'm ready to give them. I'll go first. Okay, give them all right now. Just kidding. Don't do that. Okay, okay here we go. You ready? Yep. J- just do – all right. We all have the same valedictorian. Better. Yeah. It's Michigan. It's Michigan. It's Michigan. Okay. You guys have anyone getting an A? No. No. I have Ohio. That's no. it. You yeah. have who? I have Ohio State. How can you give them an A? They made the college football playoff. You have to give them an A. There's only four teams that oh, make they it. Made the playoff. They got blown out at home 
in their last game of the season by their arch rival Listen, for the second year in a row. Ethan, How I, do you give them an A? I have already ask any Ohio State fan. Ask any Ohio State fan. That's an A? That's an A season? If that happens, if that happens three years in a row, Ryan Day is fired. No. If they make the college, yes, no. no, no, you are wrong. You guys are trying to talk me off the ledge last week. No, no, no. You shut up because you were talking to me about this like two weeks ago when I was like, oh, some people are talking. Ryan Day might get fired. And you're like, no, that's not going to happen. If if Ohio State goes 11-1 and every single year and they make the college football playoff and lose to Michigan at the end of the season, no way that guy's getting fired. I don't care what you say. There is absolutely no way. That is the That is the epitome of like – having it so good and not knowing you have it so good because then anybody else that you bring in is not going to give you those same results. It is not going to happen. So you shut your mouth because if he keeps doing this every single year, no way he gets canned. Okay. I mean, we won't get to see because like, that's just unrealistic to think 11 and 0 and keep losing to Michigan. But, uh, I like how we say that's unrealistic, but that's exactly what Ohio State did to Michigan for like 20 years. True. True. Yeah. Anyway. I'm going to have a hypothetical after this, so you guys keep going. So I don't think that's an A season. I put Ohio State in B. Corey, do you have anyone getting an A? It's got to be Ohio State. It's like an A minus. It's like an 89.9 that got rounded up. That's what I think. Because it's like you underachieved – in your biggest test a, ever, and yet you still. Who did they? Who did they, they? They're one of the four best teams in college football. I had to talk myself off this ledge. Alex was giving me all of this. They're one of the four best teams in the country right now. And if you're one of the four best teams in the country, there are there are five power conference uh, uh, championships that you can win, and there are four college football players. Okay, that, that's not how you grade a season, though. It's based on how, how, how is being one of the best four teams not a good way not to an a. I don't get that. It's because of uh, okay, you guys are you guys are missing out on context. You're using you're using the fact that they made it into the playoff because nobody else could take advantage of the situation and win to get in, and they backed their way into the playoff as an excuse to give them an A. If anybody could win games, let's see, LSU, Tennessee. USC, Alabama, if any of those teams decided to actually win some of their games, Ohio State is not in the playoff. And they would be 11-1, and one, and both of you would be sitting here not giving them an A. That's true. And I do not want to hear an that's argument. That's true, but that's not what happened. That's not reality. Okay, so I'm not going to give them an A because they backed into the playoff after getting demolished at home but, to their arch rival. But the reality is they're a top four team in college football. None, none of the hypotheticals. Hey. It does not matter who, what the other teams did because it didn't I happen. I am grading them. I, okay, so let me let me explain to you how I am grading them. I am not grading them based off of the fact that they made it into the playoff. That's not how I'm grading their season. I am grading their season based off of a generic overview of how I would expect their season to go on average if you were to if you were to put it into a hundred simulators and you were to give them an eleven and one season where they do not make the college the the Big Ten championship game, Michigan wins it and and goes 13 and 0 as the Big 10 champions and they lose 
nine, I, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say 90 times out of 100, they do not make the playoff. Sure. That's they don't make the playoff. Okay. Well, they did. That's what happened. I understand that. But I'm grading it based off the fact that they backed into the playoff. And I think it, all of us, all of us, our expectation at the beginning of this season was we all talked about it on this podcast. Ohio State might have the best offense we have ever seen in college football. That didn't happen. Their defense could be way better than it, is, than it was last year. It kind of looked that way for a few games. And then they played Michigan, and they got their pants pulled off. <laughs> I remember watching that. That was a fun time. I do, too. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to forget that and give them an A. Are you kidding me? Because they beat who? Penn State and Notre Dame? And struggled to beat teams like Maryland? Michigan struggled. They only beat them by seven. Michigan went undefeated. So? They st- you're judging that win not as a good thing, and then Michigan went on. They get a slide because they went undefeated. Okay, this is this is this is why I hate the college football playoff rankings too, because it's all these hypotheticals that get thrown in. And okay, okay maybe you guys will, maybe you guys will change your mind after they get thrashed. I sure hope they do. I sure oh, hope they do. I'm not rooting for them. I sure hope they do. But okay, Ethan, I'll give you one even better with your grading logic based off of all of the peripherals of that of how their season goes. I'm giving Purdue an A. They made it to the conference championship. No one expected them to, other than me, because I'm a moron. But they exceeded that. You're actually. I'm a, I'm a dumb genius. That's what I am. Freaking these guys are driving me crazy all year. But they did. They I went know. eight and four. I have two teams in B tier, and Purdue is one of them. Purdue's an A. You're wrong. My, my B teams are Purdue and Ohio State. Uh, my one and only B team is Penn State. You guys are. Gets an A. Well, who are your B teams, Corey? We're we're off the rails a little bit. I'm so sorry. I do have three B teams. Penn State. Penn State is a B. Okay. Nice. I apologize. All right, Corey. Penn State's B team. State's my only B because they're just kind of there. It's like that's okay. You got a B. That's cool. Actually, have Purdue an A. Yes, I'll give Purdue an A. If you are going off of their national contention and everything else their expectations Purdue exceeded expectations this year it looked well, they did. a big 10 title berth did any let's let's look at this nationally outside of this podcast let's look at this nationally did anybody pick Purdue to win the big 10 west anybody they went to the big 10 west cha- they went to the big 10 championship game as an unranked team and got thrashed by Michigan i don't care somebody had to win it and they were still a divisional championship a, a divisional champion so you just made my point for me when you tried to say that my point didn't make any sense because i said if you ran out the season a hundred times and put it in a simulator ohio state doesn't make the college football playoff 90 times you run purdue season through a simulator a hundred times they make the big 10 west championship game twice I'm just I'm keeping with my train of thought too because they Ohio State as it is right now is one of the I four just, best teams yeah. in the country and then Purdue as it is right now won a conference division. I, I, I and those things give those teams an A. 
I'm just keep because I'm going with reality. Okay. I understand that. And and Corey, me and you set the expectation for Purdue before this season started. Both of us were talking about don't be the spoiler makers and go out there and compete for the Big Ten West. It wasn't including them losing four games. But they it won the Big Ten West. Two. Oh my gosh, because everybody else was dog water. That doesn't matter. That's the reality. Them. They were just the least dog wateriest of the dog water teams. They were the best of the rest. And therefore Michigan Michigan was the least dog wateriest of all the Big Ten teams, if you want to put it that way. No, Michigan is elite. I'm totally team Corey on this. Uh you guys are so stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> You're trying to sit here and tell me that Ohio. You tell any Ohio State fan you go eleven and one a year in the college football playoff. They take that every year, every and the, year. And the loss and the losses to Michigan. I guarantee every you that is not year. I guarantee you that's not true. Every I year. promise you it's not true. I know Ohio State fans who are furious that they that they lost that game to Michigan and still made the playoff. I know that. That's so dumb. If I you agree with you. It's probably it's probably not true, Corey. But I think those fans are unintelligent, and their expectations are. You're going to sit high. here and tell me that every single year, if you can go eleven and one, you don't know who that loss is going to come to, and you make the college football playoff. You're not okay with that. It's not a reality. You're not going to go eleven and one and make the They've playoff. Done it just about every year this decade, in a four team format. It's not going to happen. They've done it most of the time. Who? Ohio State. As a non-conference champion? Doesn't it? No, not as a non-conference champion. I'm, I'm not even talking about non-conference champion. I'm just saying 11 and, 11 and 1. We just view it differently. We just, we just we view, view it differently. differently. And you're dumb and I hate you. I don't <laughs> think that their season – I don't think that their season as a total is a failure – but I do not believe that is a, it, it, it would qualify as an A-tier season when you lose to your only – the only team on your schedule that you care about beating and you get thrashed by them at home, that's not an A season. I would say the exact same thing if it was Michigan. If Michigan had lost – had lost – say that game was in Michigan and they were both 11-0 and Ohio State came in and Michigan was an eight-point favorite – and got their pants pulled off by Ohio State, would we be sitting here and saying that Michigan had an A-tier season? None of us would. Not you, not Alex. None of us would be saying that Michigan had an A season. If they just did the exact same thing Ohio State did? Yeah, at home, and got pantsed by Ohio State. We would if all be Michigan, saying, same thing, we're if, back to the same all, same all. If Michigan made the college football playoff losing to Ohio State, I would say that's a successful season. Thank if you. you are one of the final four best four football teams in America, that is 1,000% in every universe a successful season. Thank you. I don't think it's an unsuccessful season. I don't think it's an A season. What, what, I think it's what, an A season. What more do you need to be an A season? I don't think it's a, win a national season. If Ohio State loses to Michigan in the way that they did, but they win a national championship, it's not an A-tier season? Yeah, of course it is. It's an S tier season if they win a natty. They go to the national championship. Is that an S tier season? Yes. But they still lost to the Michigan by 30 points. Right, but then they beat Georgia, who's the number one team in the country. 
That's called redemption. That we're, we're looking down a portal of something that hasn't happened yet. We're basing it off the regular season because they didn't get to play in a postseason game yet because they lost. I, we're going to have to agree and disagree. I could, I could yell at Ethan all night. I mean, you can have your opinion. It's just the wrong one. It's stupid. No, you're wrong and stupid. I think we've we've come to an agreement here. I love the way we agree to disagree peacefully. No, <laughs> okay, C. C-tier teams. Golly. I got uh, – I've got Purdue, Illinois, and Minnesota. Purdue's an A. I put Purdue here because – Wait, how does how does Minnesota get in there? Because Minnesota lost Tanner Morgan for a good portion of the season, and they still like they beat Wisconsin the last week of the year to keep Paul Bunyan's axe, like their big rivalry game. So hey, I'm, they yeah, beat they I'm beat the rivals, so that's an A tier season. It's A tier. Only have yeah, and they didn't lose any other games. You stupid wench. I will fight and I will win. No, you won't. We'll take it out on the ice. A little Donnie Brook. <laughs> if anyone wants to see if anyone wants to see Corey and Ethan fight, comment on our Instagram and we'll make it live. Oh yeah. Um C tier, Illinois. That's it. Yeah, Illinois gets a C tier for failing to do the one thing that they could have had fall into their lap. They literally had to win like two games at the end of the season. They were just like, mm, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to just, we're just going to forget how to play football. Um, Maryland, no, no. I was going to, no, no. I'll get, you know what? I'll, I'll hop on Minnesota. They get a C. They had Kilimanjaro's got some promise there, and Ibrahim was a freak. Uh, so, you know, at Minnesota, you, I, you get I think their expectations were to win the West. Uh, that was your expectation. Uh, I don't know I, if those I, were their expectations. Their expectation. you had, it, it may have been, but I still felt like they coming back. You had your starting quarterback coming back. I, and no, their expectation was definitely to win the West. Did they finish with eight wins or they finished with seven? Seven. Eight, I believe. Oh, eight. I thought it was seven. Eight win season. Uh, someone look it up. They went eight and four? I'm pretty sure they went eight. Because they four. went undefeated in non-conference, and their non-conference is probably weaker than Michigan's. Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. Minnesota went eight and four, yeah. Give them a C. Uh, failing teams for me. Maryland, because they, they lost like the two 50-50 games on their schedule. Like Purdue and Wisconsin, they've lost both of them. And then the rest of their games, like what was supposed to happen, happened. So poop on you, Maryland. MSU is self-explanatory. Indiana and Rutgers is self-explanatory. Iowa, just just have some semblance of a pulse on offense. You fail. Wisconsin and Nebraska, if you have to fire your head coach, you you get an F. And then Northwestern gets an F because they failed to win in America. <laughs> Wisconsin gets an F. Nebraska, you get an F. And it's tough work for you. I wanted to give I wanted to give Wisconsin like the benefit of the doubt, but 
you get an F. Your expectation was to win the West and you didn't even come close. So you get an F. And then everybody else falls. No, you know what? Michigan State gets an F. Michigan State gets an F. Michigan State for sure gets an F. Absolutely. Michigan, an F. Michigan State had every opportunity to come out. And listen, you your requirement this year was do not go below 500 after the season you had last year. And you did not accomplish that. So you get an F. Chuck is late. And listen, I love it. I hate Michigan State, and I hope they lose every game they ever play. Mm -hmm. But I'm being serious when I say that, like, your expectation for this season had to be higher than what, what that was. And your defense was so dreadfully awful, and it didn't get addressed all season long. Not one bit. So you get an F. Um, Northwestern is the biggest and fattest of the losers. Uh, they get an F because I don't even think they were playing football most of the time. Uh, Michigan state just gets my big fat hatred F because I hate them. Um, and they were very bad, uh, and not good at anything really, except, uh, you know, contact, uh, to the skull region in a tunnel that it was apparently too small. Uh, Maryland, you get an F. you're just your expectations were weird and you still kind of let people down, which is kind of insane. Wisconsin gets an F because your expectations. I don't think I, I, okay. Let, let's join the people together here be and show that we can actually talk something out, Corey. I don't think you can give Maryland an F for the season that they had, especially with the injuries that they dealt with. And nationally, their preseason expectations, and even inside the Big Ten. You know what? This is what I was going to say. They will no longer – they will jump to B if they win the Dukes-Mayo Bowl because that's the best bowl game that's out there. I'm kidding. They will jump to a C if they win the bowl game because this is the this is the thing that we were talking about. What we talked about last week, they're going to play an ACC-style game, which is more suited to how their team is built than to face the Big Ten. So that will be their last test. Of this season, so you know what you're hovering at, like the D range, Maryland. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, that's what I would say. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, who did I miss? Uh, Indiana, you're bad. So stop. Uh, you get an F. Um, and then Nebraska, I already talked about. I love yeah. those guys, but man, they get an F because they're bad. F stands for bad. And questions. What? Fan question. Oh, I got a question right here on my phone, actually. Um, it's, why is Ethan's take about Ohio State so horrible, and why is he wrong? It's right here on my phone. Corey just opened his notes app. <laughs> uh, fan questions for the day. Let's see. Let me pull them up. Uh, this one is from Corey, who is Instagramless, a.k.a. Corey. And he asked, how is your mom doing? Who is that directed at? Just in general. Uh, my mom's great. I just spent the weekend with cool. her. Super fun time. Ethan, how's your mom? Got to spend time with her over Thanksgiving. Doing great. Cool. Yeah. yeah. My mom's doing good, too. Uh, so, yeah. Nobody knows how your mom oh. is doing. They only have <laughs> 100% don't care. Nobody asked how your mom. I'm going to tell her that. I'm going to tell her you said that. Uh, last fan question 
comes in from, uh, well, a special individual. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. They said, uh, they said, I heard you have a terrific father-in-law. Tell me about him. You're uh, such a tool. Who is that directed to? My, I'm going to assume it's directed at me. My, you know I mean, what? My I do have a great father-in-law. You're right. Uh, shout out, Scott. Hey, hey, He's don't steal. Don't, don't <laughs> steal and, my spot. And you are right. Shut up, you, Alex. You, Ethan's talking. You heard correctly. Why are you interrupting when a fan asks about my great father-in-law and I try to answer? And you just decide to interrupt. It's you're really a horrible weird. host. Yeah, Chris Maydeck, I love you, and I think you're a gem of a human being. I am very thankful for you. Okay, and uh, right. thanks for yeah. trusting and trusting me with your with your daughter. Brown She's Brown knows gem. Brown knows a little harder there, Captain. You have a great smile oh, and a great sense God. of humor. I wish I could throat punch you oh. right now. Same. <laughs> And so does your father-in-law. He wishes he could throat punch He's you, like, too. I am embarrassed of him. That's He yeah. actually just called me. Um, yeah. He actually, wait, I have a text. Will you tell that nitwit son-in-law of mine, stop talking about me? He be tripping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds just like him. Classic. Yeah, classic. I mean, classic, classic, Chris. <coughs> oh man. Well, uh, I don't think we have anything else unless you guys want to keep arguing. Um, we haven't talked anything about the Cade McNamara transfer. I guess that's not. Maybe I should just ask the question: Will he be successful or not? Two minutes tops. What? Do you want to dedicate – because next week we only have, like, one bowl game to, or two bowl games to talk about. Do you want to dedicate, like, a significant portion of next week to the sure. transfer portal? that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's a great that's idea. The, that's the preview. Will Cade McNamara yeah, fix cool. the Iowa anemic offense that doesn't know how to forward pass? That's what we in the business call a teaser. Is their offensive line actually going to be an offensive line? Will they have another tight end that is NFL caliber? Eric Alls coming. Is that confirmed? I think so. He didn't officially commit, but there's a crystal ball out there. Yeah. For Iowa. For so, Iowa. Correct. Iowa. So we'll, yeah, so we'll talk portal stuff next week because I feel like I had to do my homework on the portal. It's a mess. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us rant and rave. Honestly, Corey, I do love you. I cherish I you. you too. You are my brother, and we can. Dis- and I love you both. Shut we up, can dis- shut up okay. Alex. Shut up, Alex. No one Gosh. likes you. Oh my word! He's just a word. Hearing his voice is like throat He's trying cancer. to butt into our conversation here. <sighs> anyway, I love you, Corey, love and you. so happy to have you as a great dear friend. We will see you all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been The Big Show. Peace. I still think Ethan's wrong. Love you guys.